0: Um. So we're so thankful for all of you being here, and can we stand this morning as as we get into the Word of God? We're going to pray um, this week. This week, we this week we have our annual youth conference that we're excited about, and. Uh, For those that don't know, uh, we do this annually for young people, but we open this obviously to our entire church. We want all of you to be there for this youth conference. There will be plenty, we hope, plenty of seating. Just come here early to be safe. But um, our first service this week will be Thursday night at 7 p.m. So if you have any plans this weekend to leave or go do anything, I would would highly encourage you because you're going to hear a lot about it after the weekend's over of what God did and how wonderful it was. So do everything you can to be here. It's going to start Thursday night, and we're going to continue Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I want to remind you, next Sunday is going to be a combined service at 10 o'clock. So our first and second service in the mornings are going to come together. We're going to have a big service, and we're so excited for that Sunday. You know, um, as we've been praying, uh, we've been praying for conference, and we've been praying for the church these last couple weeks. And I want to thank anybody that's been in prayer for the conference for our church, been fasting Um, As we've been praying, you know, every year uh, there's always like an excitement, uh, like these young people over here in the front that are a little bit crazy. There's always an excitement when youth conference is coming around. But this year was uh, a little bit different for many of us, including myself. There's an excitement for conference, but there is a greater expectancy for what God is doing in our church and a greater expectancy for what God's going to do in our church after the conference. Um, Sometimes the, the conference, you know, It is powerful, it's a powerful event. We pray it through. Uh, God has given us a grace to run it. Many young people come, they experience God's presence, they receive uh, so much that we don't have time to talk about. But sometimes we can just stop there, okay, conference is over, back to our Sundays. We're not back to our Sundays, we're gonna continue pressing into the things that God has for us. And there's a great expectancy inside my heart for what God is doing here in this house, what he's gonna begin to do after this conference. And you know, there's an expectancy in my heart, I don't know about you, for what God's going to do today. Because expectancy has the power to receive something in the moment that it's standing in, not something that's going to come one day. I'm expecting for God to speak to me. Now, we got, we got things we're praying for and believing for at conference, yes and amen, but we're believing for things today. We're believing for God to speak to us today. We want to experience him today. We want to hear him today. And you know, much of us hearing is, is how we come into the service preparing, because y'all, some of y'all put way too much emphasis on the guy that holds the mic. And if so and so is preaching, it's gonna be a good message. And if so-and-so's preaching, we know what he usually talks about. And if so-and-so is gonna be visiting our church, yeah, we know his style too. But it's not about who's holding the mic. It's about the expectancy that we come into the sanctuary with. And when my heart, I wanna, I wanna, one one day we're gonna do this. The expectancy is gonna be so strong in a church, I can throw the mic to anybody here in the sanctuary and they're gonna begin to speak God's word and the power of God's gonna touch this place. That's expectancy. Expectancy is not limited to the microphone. It's not limited to the speaker. It's not limited to anybody's gift. It's not limited to the stage. It's not limited to the building. It's not limited to how many years this church has been here. Expectancy, God sees your heart and he's able to meet you where you are. So I want to encourage you right now. Right now, we're not just praying to pray before we get into the Word. We want God to speak to us. We want God to encounter us. There's people here that might need to get healed, might need to get saved, might need to get right with God, might need to get set free from sin, might need to get set free from some kind of spiritual oppression, and He is here to do it, and we're going to pray it through. Come on, somebody. Right now, let's begin to pray. Open your mouth in Jesus' mighty name. Era massa teraba baba 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 kiribo bobobo kotu namba. Father God, we pray right now and we thank you for your presence in this place. Our hearts are expecting to receive from you no man, no individual, nobody but you, Lord. And we thank you that you're here. Your Holy Spirit is here and you're ready to speak to us. You're ready to encounter us. You're ready to refresh us. And we thank you. We open up our heart right now to hear from you. We have an expectancy, God, that we're gonna be met by you right now. There's an experience that that we are waiting for right now. There's a touch from heaven that we are in need of right now. There's a word that you want to give us that we are in need of right now. We thank you, God. We didn't come here just to have another Sunday. We came here to hear from you. We came here to receive from you. We came here to meet you, to encounter you. Right now, we pray through every individual that's in this place that needs breakthrough, that needs the encounter, that needs to be refreshed, that needs to be encouraged, that needs to be touched, and we pray this right now in Jesus' mighty name. Touch us, Lord. Holy Spirit, do what you want in this service. Take over in any moment. We thank you for your presence here in this place. We bless one another, Lord. And we also pray right now, every individual watching us online, we pray that their ears would be open, that their heart would be open to hear from you, to be touched by you. And we believe this in Jesus' mighty name. Hora We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just sing this, sing this song together over, our, over the whole sanctuary right now. I am not going to sing because y'all are going to leave and, and the service is going to be over quickly. But I need some worship people to help me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash, let's start, what can wash away my sins? Let's go. We thank you, Jesus. Believe this today, believe this. Sing that again. Come on, declare this over yourself right now. A mighty shout, come on. Tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor, nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood, and take a seat right now. If you can open to Hebrews chapter 9, if you can open to Hebrews chapter 9, we're going to read from verse 11. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the effort could cleanse people's bodies for ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. That's the power of worship right there. Worship is not how great you're doing right now. It's the blood of Jesus that has washed you, allowing you to worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant. Who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins they had committed under the first covenant. Jesus is the mediator, the Bible says here in Hebrews, of the new covenant between God and people. He became the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And here the last verse says that he died to set us free from the penalty of sin under the first covenant. I want to talk to you this morning about Jesus is in the middle. The Bible says here that because of the blood that he shed, he brought this blood into the heavenly tabernacle, the tabernacle that was not made by man or created by man. It's the heavenly tabernacle, and there he brought his blood. And it says he brought his blood there, becoming our high priest. And here it says that he becomes, because of this, he becomes the mediator of the new covenant between God and people. There was a moment I was reading the book of Job, and I noticed two times in the book of Job, Job says this. He says, Lord, he knew that he was a righteous man before God, and he knew that God was almighty and holy. Yet he understood, and God himself says, Job is a righteous man. There are no, no men like Job on, on the earth that I have found. But this is what Job understood. Job begins to pray when he's, in his, he's going through these trials, and his body's covered in sores, and he begins to pray, and he prays this thing. You can find it. If only there was a mediator between God and me. Though he was righteous in the eyes of God because of how he lived and the faith... That he had in God. Because of his faith in God. He was declared righteous. But he understood that's not enough. I need someone to be in the middle between us. Because no matter what you say or what you do. At the end of the day. God is God and I'm a man. I need somebody in between. Who can mediate me to God. That I can be as close as possible. Yes I know him and that he's up there. And that I'm down here. But if I have a mediator. I can be up there with him. And he can be down here with me. I'm not just going to be worshiping the God I believe in the God I believe in is going to be right here with me and he said if only if only there's a mediator in the Old Testament understands that he needed a mediator a prophetic word about Christ Christ in the New Testament becomes the mediator of the new covenant now A lot of places in the Bible, Jesus, we will find him, or we find God, I should say. We find God in the middle. For example, God places the Garden of Eden. He creates it. He places Adam in the middle of it. He places the Tree of Life in the middle of it. He places the Tree of Knowledge in the middle of it. And they begin to live there. And I want want to remind you, remember when Adam, as soon as he sinned, him and Eve, as soon as they sinned, the next verse or verse says, God is already there looking for them. Okay? As soon as they sin, God is already there looking for them. Now, Moses. Moses is in the desert. He has left Egypt, and he is 40 years now in the wilderness by himself. He's, he's found a wife. He's, he's serving his, his wife's father, Jethro. He's taking care of his sheep. And the Bible says he begins to go very far into the wilderness, and he's out there. And in the middle of the bush, the Lord begins to, from the middle of the bush, the Lord begins to speak to him. Or Jesus, how about in the New Testament? He sends his disciples across the sea. And the Bible says this is supernatural. He's on the mountain, and how long this sea is, I think like a 13-mile sea, the sea that they were on. He sees them out in the middle of the sea, and they're in a storm. And he decides, I'm going to go to them there in the middle of the storm. And he begins to walk on the water to his disciples amidst the storm. Or how about when Jesus was on the boat? And he's on the bottom of the boat sleeping, and in the middle, and as he's sleeping in this boat, and the disciples are there trying to save this boat because there's a great storm that's trying to capsize this boat, Jesus is there with them in the middle of it. How about the prostitute that's brought to Jesus? It says they brought her to the middle. He was there surrounded by people, and he's teaching. They interrupt his service. They interrupt his teaching, and the Pharisees bring this prostitute in, and they put her in the middle. And after everybody was done accusing them, Jesus told them, if you have not sinned, be the first to throw the stone. And we know that from the oldest to the youngest, they just begin to leave, and the woman is left there in the middle with Jesus. Some of us think that once I get everything figured out in my life, I can come to God or God will come to me. Sometimes we think that when everything's going smooth in my life, I have some kind of right to wear a nice suit to make myself look good and lift my hands during worship. Somebody thinks that when they make no mistakes, when the week is good and they didn't freak out on their kids or their spouse or yell at their employees or say something bad mouth to their boss, that there is a right now that you have to stand before God and God is more pleased with you. Now, I'm not justifying whether you can do those things. I'm telling you no matter how many things you do, God is not going to justify you because of what you have done or have not done. God justifies you because of what Christ did. And here is the God that we serve. Let me preach a little bit to somebody about the God that we serve. The God that we serve will always be in the middle of when you need him. When I say God's in the middle, this is what I'm talking about. Right in the middle of someone, of Victoria's room where her baby's about to die, or she doesn't know what's gonna happen with her baby, and right there in the middle, Jesus is there with her. God is there with her. He doesn't meet us at a certain place. He doesn't wait for us to get out of the desert and get into the paradise, and there he is. He's, in, he's with us in the desert. He's with me in the storm. He's with me in my trial. He's with me when I'm raising my kids. He's with me when I don't know what to do next. He's with me when I'm confused. He's with me when I'm scared. The God we serve is with us. Even his name is Emmanuel, God with us. See, somewhere, somewhere in somewhere in your mind, somewhere because you've been at church so long, you begin to believe that when you got everything figured out, God is gonna be there. I want to tell you, God is often there when you've got nothing figured out. God is always there when you don't know what to do, when you're scared, when you're going through sin, when you're struggling in some kind of area, that's where he is. He tells the people to the right at judgment. You visited. The man in the prison. You visited the widow. You went out and clothed the naked. You fed the hungry. And because you did it for them, what I want you to understand is that you did it for me. You clothed me. You visited me. What's he saying? Guys, where people are broken, that's where he is. Where people are in need, that's where he is. Where people are lost, that's where he is. I didn't come here because you are well and healed. I came here because there are sick people, and the sick people need to be healed. If if you're already healthy, God thank you. But I'm going to be in the house of the sinners because it is the sick that need me. It is the sinner that needs me. It is the prostitute that needs me. It's the tax collector that needs me. He came right into Zacchaeus' house. And the man's life was changed. Jesus is in the middle. See, my life before him, it was an absolute wreck. Darkness and sin and addiction and lack of purpose and no hope and no joy We're were lost. The Bible says that those that are in sin, they are dead. And though there is breath in your lungs and you can walk and you can even go to church, if you have not encountered Christ, you can still be dead because he's the one that gives us life. See, he's the middle. He is the point that we meet and from him when we cross over, this is where we now have life. This is this, <laughs> Here we go. When I'm going through a hardship and I understand that Jesus is in the middle, that means He's there with me. And it's only a matter of time when I meet Him. And when I meet Him, everything begins to change. He's in the middle of my storm. When He began to speak, the waves grew silent. When He said, You're forgiven, she was set free. When He is in the middle, it's the crossover point that I'm this way. And when He's in the middle, what's He in the middle of? He's in the middle of the crossover. The breakthrough, the healing, the answer. He's the cross point. We don't believe people just coming to church and just worshiping and just signing a membership card. You need to meet Christ. Because when you meet Christ, this is the one who becomes your mediator. He becomes your mediator. He is not your mediator just once when you call in His name and He saves you. He is your mediator until you see Him. He is there in the middle of everything we face, everything we go through, everywhere we are. David said, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I make my bed in the heavens, you are there. That means in my highest state, He is there. In my lowest state, He is there. He is the God who does not just sit on the judgment seat looking at you ready to strike you for anything that you do wrong. He is the God that came down. Let me remind you the scripture. John 1:14. The word became flesh. It became human and made his home among us. This is the God that we serve. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We don't serve a God who is distant and far. We don't serve a God that we have to somehow find. He found us. We don't somehow try to, try to get to Him. Where, where are you, God? Why aren't you here? He is always with us. He's in the middle of all, often everything that we're going through. He's right there. There was an interesting story in Luke chapter 8. From verse 40, we're going to read. Are you there? Okay, Luke 8, 40. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. Okay, here he is in the middle. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this is the smart guy, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble, fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him. And that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And this, messenger, this messenger says, He told him, Your daughter is dead there's no use troubling the teacher now. Jesus shows up to this place and Jairus meets him falls to his knees and begins to plead. Come to my house. My daughter is dying. And with Jairus together, they begin to walk. And in the middle of their walking, you can, you can imagine they're not sightseeing. They're not looking at the, the new land and visiting maybe a lake. They're walking steadfastly to this place to get to Jairus' daughter. Now, Jesus, we know, is not in a hurry but Jairus certainly is. He has pleaded with this Jesus who he has heard about, who he believes in now, to come to his house and to heal his daughter. In the middle of them walking, a woman somewhere begins to press through the crowd. It's interesting that in other gospels earlier than this account it says that there are many people that even just touched the fringe of his garment and received their healing. And this woman at some point begins to hear that news and she begins to believe that if she just touches his, the end of his garment, she's gonna receive her healing. She begins to press through the crowd and as Jesus is walking with Jairus to get to Jairus' house, this woman deliberately, the Bible says, she doesn't just touch him to say, I touched him. She touches him because she believes when she touches him, he's gonna heal her. And so she reaches out and she touches him and that touch is different than any other touch in that crowd. And it begins to heal and stop her bleeding. And Jesus, I could imagine, maybe took a, number, number, a couple other steps and then stopped. And I'm sure Peter, the, the first, she stopped before. We, Jairus, the daughter, did you forget? Come down from heaven, let's go. He says, no, somebody touched me. Bob, boss, everybody's touching you. All right, everybody's touching you. No, somebody, somebody deliberately touched me. And he waits for this person to come out. And as he's waiting in the crowd that she's hiding in, she begins to shake and she begins to come to the front and she falls to her knees and begins to tell. Listen, this is a woman who has a very, very personal issue. She begins to tell everybody there what was happening to her and what just happened to her he says woman your faith has healed you and as as Jesus is still talking this read carefully as he is still saying this it says the messenger comes and says Jairus there's no need for the teacher your daughter's dead Jesus is in the middle of something, okay? He's on his way to this house because there's a 12-year-old, Bible says, a 12-year-old daughter that needs to be healed. But where he's standing, there's a woman on the other side of him that has an issue of blood. She's been bleeding, the Bible says, for also 12 years. And he is in the middle of a woman that has the issue of blood for 12 years and the girl that's 12 years old and she's about to die and her the power the bible says the power of god goes out from him and touches this woman now when he when we read hebrews hebrews explains that jesus is the end of the old covenant and the beginning of the new he is the middle When he came, he was the walking flesh, the Word of God here on earth. He was not just the teacher, he was not just the priest, he was the sacrifice himself. He was the lamb himself. They didn't understand that this man is not just going to set Israel free, he's about to set the world free from the grip of the devil because he's about to take on the sins of all the world. And so when he is walking on earth, they see a teacher, they see a prophet, but he is the lamb of God. He is the walking mediator on earth. How, how does he have the right to forgive people's sins? Because he's the one that's going to take them. He's the one that's about to carry them. He's the one that's, that came. His purpose is to be the mediator. Job wanted it. Abraham knew it. He's now here. He is the mediator between God and man. The priest forever. Now watch. He's in the middle. This is where it gets really good. He's in the middle, and a woman has been bleeding for twelve years. And a young girl is 12 years old and is about to die. Old covenant, woman, new covenant, little girl. I want you to watch this. She has an issue of blood. See, in the Old Testament, no matter how much blood flowed, it was never enough. No matter how much you bled, it was never enough. Every lamb, every goat, the Bible says, it could not take away your sin. Hebrews says the, the blood of goats and lambs cannot take away your sin. It can never it cannot remove sin out of your life. Only the blood of Jesus. That blood it just covers. That blood covers. That blood covers. But the problem is still there. The issue is still there. The desire is still there. And you can you can sacrifice all the blood that you want, but it's gonna continue bleeding. Every year you gotta come back to that temple, slay another lamb, slay another lamb, slay another lamb and cover your blood, and cover your blood, and every year, she was bleeding, and bleeding, the Bible gives us this detail, she wasted everything she had, if the Old Testament would have worked, Jesus would have never came, but he came to put an end to the Old Testament, the Old Testament, by the way, started On the covenant of the blood of an innocent lamb. Jesus is now the lamb of God about to end the old covenant and start the new covenant with his own blood. And what happens in this moment? His power stops the bleeding. His power stops the bleeding. There was something coming out of her. And there's something coming out of every person that has not met Christ. It's always coming out, and it's coming out. You can suppress it with depressants. You can suppress it with good habits. You can suppress it with a better, live in a better neighborhood, go to a better school, make some better friends, but there's always gonna be a leak. That's why Jesus came. And what's flowing out of her, understand, there was something flowing out of him. And when the blood was leaving her body, power left his, and it stopped the blood. It stopped the blood. He is standing in the middle between generations. She's older, he's younger. And he's the one about to do a new thing. He's in the middle about to do a new thing. He stops the flow of blood in the old covenant. He stops the flow of blood in this woman's life. He stops the flow of blood. He is the mediator. And it is for a very specific reason. That's he's saying to this woman, you have been healed because you believed. That in the same time the messenger comes and says the girl is dead. The new covenant starts with death. The death of Christ is the establishment of the new covenant. Because he died and bore our sins, we have a new covenant. Don't remember every time you eat my body and drink my blood. Remember that you are remembering what I did. And that my blood has been the establishment of the new covenant. This girl dies and she's 12 years old. And he tells Jairus, do not be afraid, but have faith. Because the new, it's going to start from the grave. What I came to do, I need no man's effort. I need no man's right living I need no man's strength. I need no man's ability. I need a dead body. My God gave me a body, not a lamb, not a goat. He gave me a body to bear the sins of the world. And this girl, though you think she's dead, I consider her asleep because I'm the mediator. I'm about to establish a new covenant. Where there is no life, life is about to come. Where there is no hope, that house is about to shout. Where parents are weeping because they don't know what to do and it is the end, it is just the beginning everywhere we ended everywhere we couldn't go on everywhere there was a door Jesus came to be the mediator the messenger was right he was right she's dead don't trouble the teacher if we take his words he's right but he's not just a teacher He's the mediator. Don't bother the teacher, but this is exactly why the mediator came. I'm about to walk into that house. Just like one day I'll be in a tomb. And where you think it's dead, the spirit of God is going to come and bring life to that area. Bring life to that girl. I need to get all the people out of that house. I want the mother, I want the father to see what I'm about to do. And he brings the dead girl back to life. Hebrews 8 8 says, a far better covenant. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a better covenant with God based on better promises. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. morning he is here he is here and he is ready to meet you in the middle of wherever you're at whatever you're going through whatever you're facing we believe we believe our Lord and Savior he is your answer he has become the mediator for all men every individual on earth he has become the middle man he has become the way the truth the life he's the only one He called himself the bread. He called himself the door. He called himself the only way. He called himself the truth. He is the way to life. And see today, you can be on either side this morning. You can be on either side this morning. Either you've been going to church for a long time, but there's a bleeding issue in your life that Christ has not sealed, he has not touched. You continue to try to fix this thing by yourself, but he is the only one able to fix it. Or maybe like that little girl. You need to be touched by him for the first time this morning. You need him to come into your room, to come into your life, and to lay his hands on you and declare life where there is death. Because if you have not received Christ as your Lord and Savior and sin is reigning in your life, then the Bible says you are dead. And the only way that you can now be alive is by confessing your sin to Jesus Christ, who is the one who bore that sin. And he's the only one that has the right to forgive you of that sin and bring you into the new covenant that he has established. I want us to pray for a young man. He's not very young, but I want want us to pray for this man. His name is Vitaly. He couldn't be here today, but he texted me. He said, I'm very tired of my alcohol addiction, and I need God to set me free. And I had it on my heart not just to pray for him during service or pray for him myself, but I had it on my heart for us to pray for him. What camera is watching me? This camera right here. I want to say, I'm going to say a few things in Russian because he's watching right now. I'm going to let him know that we're praying for him right now. Okay, Vitaliy, я знаю, что нас сейчас смотришь онлайн. Я хочу тебе сказать, что наша церковь сейчас будет подвизаться за тебя молиться. Мы верим как церковь, что кровь Иисуса это не просто какая-то сила. Она она разлила, она была А дата, чтобы ты был исцелен, чтоб ты был свободен, во имя Иисуса. И мы верим в Него, не в твои силы, не в силы, не в твои возможности, не то, что ты хочешь достичь. А Бог, Он уже совершил твою победу. И прямо сейчас мы будем молиться за тебя во имя Иисуса. Принимай это исцеление, принимай полное освобождение. Прямо сейчас во имя Иисуса. Right now, right now, Vitaly. Let's begin to pray. Begin to pray right now. We lift up the name of Vitaly. We lift him up right now in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we pray for Vitaly right now. In Jesus' mighty name, we lift him up right now, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for his life. We thank you, God, for, for, for what you have got in store for him. Everything the devil's been doing, we declare an end to. In Jesus' mighty name, everywhere the blood, the blood in his life has been leaking out, let your power touch him right now. Let your power touch him right now. Holy Spirit, bring, bring, bring godly sorrow right now in the form of repentance into his life. Set him free in Jesus' mighty name. We believe right now, Lord, for his freedom. As a church, we believe for his freedom right now. The spirit of alcohol must be broken over his life. every oppressing spirit every abusive spirit in his life we cast it out right now in jesus name lord heal him heal his broken heart heal god his empty soul heal him god holy spirit we ask that you would fill him fill him fill him right now and touch his life we pray this in jesus name If you're here this morning, I don't wanna waste any more time. You can come here to the front if you need to give your life over to the Lord. If there is sin in your life that continues, continues to cause an issue in your life, Jesus can stop that bleeding right now. His power is here to touch you, that that area is gonna be sealed up, that the area that area is gonna be taken care of to allow you to begin to walk in freedom. If you need to give your life to him today for the first time, Or we dedicate your life to him for the, for again. Come to this altar. We're going to pray right now as a church. We're going to believe that he's going to meet you here right now. He's going to touch your life right now. He's not waiting for you to fix everything. He's ready to meet you right now as we speak. Come on, let's begin to worship right now. Begin to worship right now.